Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Have your Bibles, open them up with me this morning to the book of Isaiah. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to be reading beginning at verse 1 in Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or whatever form or format that you use to access the Word of God, whether it be via watch, tablet, phone, or screen. We got you covered. And if you need to, if you don't have any, of you know, if you can't look over, take someone else's Bible or something. <clears throat> but I want you to get this word. Um, <clears throat> Very familiar passage of scripture, especially around this time of the year that I want to speak to you from. Um, um, And I have taught on this um, before many different times, but I want to bring some fresh sights or insights. Three things that grab me differently from this text um, this morning. And um, what I've come to realize with the word of God as you read it and as you um, read the Bible over and over again. Um, oftentimes, if you're not careful, when you hear familiar passages of Scripture, especially in a church setting, you say, oh, I've read that before. And because of familiarity, you have a tendency to, to become so familiar that you forget. Forget about some of the importances and the principles that God's Word clearly shares But what I'm praying that there would always be a fresh approach to the word of God. When you understand that the Bible, that Hebrew said that this word is alive. In other words, it's not just black ink on white pages. It's not just light on on a, on a, on a tablet, but this word speaks. It has spoken. It is speaking and it will continue to speak. And at any given time that out of logos, you can receive a rhema, which is a now word for your life. If I approach it with the expectation is this is not just God's words, but these are God's words to me. And the Bible declares that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I'm praying that not that you would hear Javon, but that you would hear him this morning. Amen. It says in verse one, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebuin and the land of Natalie. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan and to Galilee of the nations. Listen to these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. Notice that. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at harvest time, as they rejoiced when dividing spoils. Now notice there's a shift there. Notice it started out. It it, it began to talk about gloom and distress. But now you get to verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4. We're talking about enlarging, increase, and joy and rejoicing. Do you see that? It says this in verse 4. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor. Some stuff have been broken off. 
just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for fire. That, well, let me explain what that is. It's, it's talking about these were military tactics that the, the, the Midianite army used. They wore these type of boots that made loud noises and uh, to scare their enemies. It, 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 it amplified their marching. And also what they would do is they would have these garments that they would make that looked like they were splattered in blood. That they would wave at their opponents seemingly making it look like that they're such these big conquerors and this great army. They would use it as intimidating factors that says just as we shed the blood of others we would shed it of you but right here the scripture said the trampling of the boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for fire in other words it's not going to be like that anymore for a child will be born for us a son will be given to us and the government will be on, on his shoulders he will be named wonderful Counselor, mighty God, eternal or everlasting father, prince of peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Uh, I want you to just for, for subject purposes or title, I just want you to write two words if you're taking notes or punch in two words. And I want you to write, put these two, for us, F-O-R-U-S, for us, for us. That's what I'm going to talk to you about, for us, and it'll make sense in just a moment. But in this particular text, this is the prophet Isaiah. I love Isaiah. It's one of my favorite books to read. And Isaiah was considered as a messianic prophet, which means a lot of his, his prophecies or he was the prophet that mostly prophesied or had prophecies concerning the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Throughout all of his writings, he had this prophetic voice that would always be pointing specifically and strategic to Jesus Christ coming on the scene or the Messiah. You can read even in Isaiah where it points specifically and begins to prophesy of his birth and how it would take place and where it would take place. As you know, in a couple of weeks, we celebrate break Christmas. It was Isaiah, the scripture talks about who he was called the eagle eye prophet because he had the ability to see in, in the future in such a powerful way, unlike any other prophets, that when the words that he spoke, when the words that he declared, even though they were futuristic or future talking or future speaking, he spoke them with such power and precision as if they were taking place in that moment. And here it is him that is telling this story and he's speaking of a time where the Bible said that the land of Judah was covered with great darkness and despair. The conditions of the time with the Bible said, notice in the first verse, it was distressed land and it was a gloomy time. 
And I begin to think about that when the, this time of the year is, is Christmas season and you can go to any neighborhood, you can go to any community, you can go to any department store, even grocery store, more than likely that prior two weeks before Thanksgiving, you saw all the Christmas decorations and ornaments and things already going up. And you can drive, drive down the streets and go to different places. And even now you have the opportunity to drive through neighborhoods. Matter of fact, we got it looking pretty good around here, to be honest, you know, with decorations and trees. And I know in my house, my wife was determined. She told me, Thanksgiving, I'm putting up our Christmas tree. And I was like, babe, can we just get through the turkey and the ham and stuff? And we'll worry about that later. But it, she was determined to make sure we got that tree up. And we have the privilege and the ability to enjoy all of these things this time of year. I mean, you can go over, there's boat parades over in Balboa Island and houses that do contests for all this celebration. And, and it's often associated with great lights and goodness and greatness and wow. But, but the reality in this particular text, this was not the scene of the original announcement of the birth of Christ. I, although that's how we celebrated and that's how we paint it. But when this initial prophecy, it was not a good time. It was not a great time. It was not a happy time. It was a time of pain. It was a time of sorrow. It was a time of doom. It was time of gloom. It was a time of despair. And the Bible said they were in dark times with an enemy that was impinging to even come and take over them and bring them into a greater bondage. But what I love about the prophet Isaiah, a mouthpiece from God that comes right in the middle of seemingly overwhelming circumstances, chaotic times, uh, hardship and struggle. And he steps right in the middle of all the mess and he drops a prophetic word concerning what was about to happen. And when I say that word prophetic, I don't want us to draw back and cringe. I know sometimes people, they get, ooh, that's that prophecy stuff, prophetic stuff. Listen, listen, don't abandon what others have abused because it's biblical in the Bible. Because I don't know about you, there are times in life that you don't just need a sermon. You don't need just a devotion. What you need is a word, a prophetic now word that will come right down in the middle of your situation and speak to you directly, not only of where you are, but where God is taking you and what he sees in your future. Come on, how many of you still believe in a prophetic word from God? And is this that Isaiah does? He comes down and despite the circumstances that are surrounding him, he gives a word and he declares these words. He says, I know that it's dark. I know that it's, it, this is a time of dimness and vexation, affliction, burdens and oppression. But I came to drop a prophetic word, a message of hope, a message of breakthrough, a message of supernatural turnaround, a message of a divine reversal that is about to take place. 
And basically, I wrote it down like this. What he was saying was the same place that the people were experiencing darkness, gloom, hardship, and struggle is the same place that Christ would be born or come into or break through. Because when the Bible said that those who walk in darkness have seen a great light, it is implying that it was dark up until. It was dark up until that moment. But the moment Christ stepped on the scene into that situation, things shifted immediately and automatically. I don't know about you, but I still believe in 2018 of a God that can come down miraculously and supernaturally and in a situation and turn it around in a way that you never thought, dreamed, or imagined. It speaks of a divine breakthrough. Just when the enemy thought he had you down, just when the enemy thought he had the upper hand on your marriage, on your family, on your finances, on your health, on your children, on your career, on your calling, it looked like you were backed up against a wall. You wasn't going to come out. You weren't going to make it. And you thought that you were going to end 2018 down in the dumps. But I'm here to declare to you, your God is still able to step through and come on somebody and break forth and dispel the darkness and despair of your life with the light of his truth. Come on, if you still believe in a God, a breakthrough, raise, clap your hands and give him praise. Your God does some of his greatest works in the dark. God, at nighttime, God rolled the Red Sea back. It was in a dark time that God gave Gideon the victory over the Midianites. It was at a dark time, midnight, that he showed Paul and Silas that he was a jailbreaker and an earth shaker. It was at night, come on somebody, that the Bible said that God revealed his supernatural deliverance for a Peter by an angel that was in prison. I don't care how dark. The Bible even said that dark times would come upon us. Us, but he said, my glory will arise upon you. Don't you be intimidated by the dark. Don't you be intimidated by the hardship. Your God is greater and he's able to break through on your behalf. You need to understand Christmas was birthed in the middle of great grief. While the angels were proclaiming peace, Herod was preparing to annihilate infants. While Mary was worshiping, other mothers were weeping for their children. Christmas joy is best understood when the junk and the hardships of life surrounds us. But yet Christ come breaking through the womb of our circumstance, giving us joy and peace. Aren't you thankful for that God, for that Savior, and for that Jesus? I need you to understand this. Notice the results if, as we track through this. Look, look at what happened in verse 3. The results of this great breaking through. The Bible said, you have enlarged the nation and increased the joy. Can I declare to you, notice it said when God broke through, the first thing, two things that happened were there was enlargement and there was increase. Can I just prophesy that over somebody? That all the hell you've been going through and the things that you've been going through, can I declare? 
declare what the enemy thought was going to kill you. It's going to bring enlargement. It's going to bring increase. You thought it was tearing you down, but it was building you up. I just want to preach that. He said, when I break through that situation, there's coming increase. There's coming enlargement. There's coming favor like never before. Come on. God does not waste pain. Everything that you have gone through, God has not forgotten your labor of love. You may have, a matter of fact, some of y'all have forgot about what you fasted for in January 2018. You're thinking about 2019, but you, come on somebody. God said, I hadn't forgot about what I told you in January of 2018. Your God is faithful. Enlargement and increase shall come in Jesus name. He said, he said, notice what he said next. He said, he said, they will be like the farmers in the harvest. And it would be like the soldiers when they won the battle. Did you catch that? You know what that says about us? You know what a farmer, a farmer understands. There was a season that I was just sowing. I was just sowing. I was just so, but before that, I got to back up because before I sowed the seed, I had to plow the ground. I was just plowing. It was hard work. I'm meeting after meeting, email after email. Oh my God, work after work. Come on somebody, just plowing and plowing. When you plow, it's hot. When you plow is hard work. When you plow, you're sweating, but your plowing is preparation for the seed. And then you went through a season where you just sowed and you sowed and you sowed and you kept sowing. You didn't see anything yet, but you kept sowing. And then you had to wait a little while. Oh, but then one day, like the scripture said, a harvest came and he said, oh my Lord, he said, I want people to begin to rejoice. Like the first do on harvest day. Does anybody have any seed in the ground? Has anybody been plowing? Has anybody been sowing? Has anybody been waiting? Why don't you go ahead right now and start rejoicing that my harvest is coming. My breakthrough is coming. My enlargement is coming. My blessing is on the way. I feel something this morning. And he said, Watch this. And he said, he said, I want you to, I want you, I want you to, I want you to also look at the soldier, a soldier. He said, this is how I want you. This is how it's going to be. How I want you to, how uh, the, the enthusiasm I want you to have that when a soldier who's been fighting battle after battle after battle, but then all of a sudden. He's been fighting the battle, but now he's won the war. And not only has he won the war, he looks around. I've got some cuts. I've got some bruises. I've got some wounds. And I even got a little limp. But I do recognize I'm still alive. I'm still here. And not only am I still here, he looks around and say, oh, my God. Look at all the spoils. Look at, come on, somebody. 
Daddy, look at, oh my God, the spoils that I'm taking from these battles from the enemy that thought he could kill me. I cannot just declare the devil is going to pay back some stuff that he thought he took from you. Can I declare that you're going to get your spoils back? Come on, somebody. Joy is coming back. Peace is coming back. Finances are coming back. Health is coming back. I've been battling my health. I've been battling depression. I've been battling fear. But in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, can step in and break through and come on and give you your joy and peace back. If you believe it, give him a shout and I'll keep preaching. He said, when I break through this thing, you're going to be rejoicing like soldiers that won the war. Farmers on harvest day. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I said weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Let me just get specific. It's amazing that I've talked to several people that, that, that just recently have gone through things. And they talked about how this year God dealt with them. And I'm not trying to use this any other way, but teaching purpose. They said God really dealt with me about the exchange this year. And I did something that I wouldn't normally do. And God laid it on my heart. But they said, Pastor Javon, when I did it, the next day this happened. The next day that happened. The next day this came up and the enemy tried to get in my head and tell me you didn't do the right thing. I need to confirm to somebody in the 930. You did the right thing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. This is what the word I was supposed to give you. He that sows in tears shall reap in joy, shall doubtless come again, having your arms filled with blessing. Some of y'all have cried over that seed and cried over that sacrifice, but I'm here to affirm you did the right thing. You will reap in joy in Jesus name. Give the Lord a shout of praise. I'm going to keep preaching. This ain't two Christmas sermons. I'm getting there. I'm trying. The Bible said those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. John 1, 4 said this in him was life and he was the life that was the light of all men. Speaking, G, speaking of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that Jesus, he is the light and he is the life. He came to bring light into dead life, into deadness. And he came to bring life into darkness. When I talk about life to deadness, I'm not talking about being just physically dead, but I'm talking about being physically dead. When, when physically dead, not physically dead, but spiritually dead. Because it's, it's possible to be physically alive, but spiritually dead. And he said, I come to bring life to deadness and bring light to darkness. That's who Christ is. I remember growing up, I grew up uh, in the hills of Northeast Georgia and we had a, had a farm and we raised pigs and we raised chickens. And before um, um, grass fed became popular, that's how I was raised. In my days, grass fed was meant you were poor. But anyway, uh, all natural grass fed. And that means you just couldn't go to the grocery store. You know, you had to do your own thing. But I know times have changed. But anyway. 
But, but, but I remember as a young boy, my grandmother, I had chickens that were friends and toys in the morning. Ooh, but they were sustenance at night. There's something that happened throughout the day that brought about a transformation. So I never got too attached to my toys because I knew at any given time it would go from the ground to the kitchen table. But I remember that we used to have this chopping block and, 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 my, and, and the chicken neck would stretch. And my grandmother had a little axe and I would hold one side and, and, and she would hold the other and whop. She would cut the, the head of that chicken off. But then that thing would keep walking and flopping and flopping and flopping. That's where you hear the term running around like a chicken with his head cut off. But you know what? I remember as a little boy, the first time it happened, amazed, looking at my grandmother. I was like, ooh, granny. In my southern accent. Ooh, granny, look at there. That thing is dead, but he don't know it. He's running around and don't even realize he's dead. And my grandmother would just smile at me. But I thought about that statement I made as a little country boy. That it's running around and don't even know it's dead. Can I tell you there are people that are running around in this earth today. And they don't even know that they're dead. They're running around doing this. Running around doing that. Running around here. Running around there. But don't even realize they are dead. Can I tell you that life outside of Jesus Christ is a dead, defeated, broken life. The Bible said in him is life and the light of all men. Only Jesus, come on, can give you life, uh, the life that is life and life more abundant. I wrote it like this. Jesus is the source, is the strength of our earthly life. Jesus is the secret of an effective life and Jesus is the source of eternal life. If you want a life that's going to be strengthened on the earth, if you want a life that's going to be effective on the earth, and if you want a eternal life after this earth it comes from Jesus Christ the Bible said he came to bring darkness into light John 8 12 says Jesus spoke to him again and said I am the light of the world and he who follows me will never walk in darkness but he but but will have the light of life notice what he said he who follows me will not walk in darkness so it says if I'm not following him I'm walking in darkness but hear me when I say this that, that there's dangers for walking in the dark have you ever tried to walk in the dark I've told you several stories about me walking in the dark. But one of the things that I always remember, the worst thing that can happen is when you're walking in the dark. Have you ever hit that little bitty toe? You know, the one that take eight years to heal. You know, you know, because in the dark, you know, isn't it funny how in the dark, watch this. Everything looks the same in the dark. If I were to turn off the lights. All, everything that, all your distinction would be removed. Everything looks the same. In other words, there's no boundaries. There's no standards. 
You can't see what it is and what it's not, whether it's real or whether it's fake. That's what the dark life is. Everything just looked the same. Oh, we're all in it together. But the thing is, it's a matter of time that when you keep walking in darkness, you're going to stumble up. You're going to fall. You're going to run into things that you shouldn't run into. You're going to hit things that you shouldn't hit. And the only way and the only person that can dispel that darkness is Jesus Christ. You were not created to be children of darkness. The Bible said you were created to be children of light. You ought to be children of light so we can be the light that shines in a dark world. Understand that darkness is the devil's domain. The apostle Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, this is the strategy of the enemy. He said, the God of this world have blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Notice that, blinded them from the light. His goal, watch this, he has blinded them. And I thought about that. I thought about blinders or blinds in our home. Have you ever noticed that when you close the blinds or you shut the blinds, The blinds may keep the light from shining in, but the blinds don't stop the light from shining. I'm going to go to, I'm going to say it to them over here. I said the blinds will keep the light from shining in, but the blinds do not keep the sun or the light from shining. It may keep the sunlight from shining in, but it never keeps the sunlight from shining because Satan knows he cannot stop the S-O-N light. He can't stop the sunlight. And the only thing that he can do is try to blind you from the real light. He tries to blind you with low self-esteem and blind you with depression and fear and blind you with insecurity and ignorance. He tries to blind you and keep you in the dark about who you are and what you could be and what you could accomplish because if Paul goes on to say unless the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shine because when that light shines into your heart you will receive the knowledge of Jesus Christ who is the image of God in other words when the light really hits your life you'll begin to recognize wait a minute this is not who I am one of the greatest things that happened to me in my walk is this. When I found out who I was, I also found out who I wasn't. The problem is some of us are trying to fight who we're not, but I want to encourage you find out who you are because when you find out who you are, you will realize who you are not. And when I found out who I was, drugs could no longer be a part of my life. Come on, come on. Hanging out with the wrong people could no longer be a part of my life because I am not an addict. Come on. I am not a failure. I am not the, 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 the coincidence of a bad relationship. I am not what I did. I am not my past, but I am who God says I am. That is who I am. But you'll never know who you are until you let that light shine. So what are you saying, Javon? What I'm saying to you is this. When Isaiah prophesied of this great turnaround, he said this, this whole breakthrough, this coming of Christ is to bring great breakthrough in your life. So that number one, let me, let me give you these, I'm going to give it to you quickly. Number one, for, for God's grace, for God's glory, 
and for God's greatness, God's grace, God's glory, and God's greatness. God, I'm going to give it to you really quick. There it is. God's grace, God's glory, and God's, God, God's great grace, his glory, and his greatness. What do you mean, Javon? I want you to notice something. When I told you the title was for us, when you read Isaiah, notice what he said. He said, for us, a child is born. He said, for us, a son is given. Did you get that? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. For us, for you, for me, understand that God is God all by himself. He don't need anything or anybody. Come on, when God decided to come down from heaven, bankrupt heaven, to come down to earth, he had one thing in mind, you and me. I want to say this, don't get it twisted. What if I told you Christmas is about you? The only reason why we celebrate Christmas because he was coming for you. I came for you. I was coming for you. The whole, the reason why we do what we do was for you. Listen, listen. Why, why do you say it's grace, Javon? Because that's what grace is. Grace, listen to this, is God moving toward us out of his own initiative. Grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Grace is God paying a debt for us we could never pay. Grace is acting toward us in a way that we don't deserve. Grace, watch this, G-R-A-C-E, it means grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to say it again, God's riches at Christ's expense. When you understand he came for you, he came for me, he said for this cause I came into the world. I came to seek and save you who were lost. Are you following me? I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Christmas is about God being personal with you. Oh my God. I want a personal relationship with you. I came for you and I came for you knowing you. I knew you didn't have it together. I knew you was all messed up. I knew you when you were in the club. I knew you when you were addicted. I knew you when you even said you didn't believe in God and you weren't a religious person. I knew you when you were broke, busted, and disgusted. Even though I knew you, I still came for you because Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He hung on a cross for you. Christmas. See, we don't, we don't associate the cross with Christmas. But he was born to die. That's why Isaiah said it again. Isaiah said, I'm going to tell you why he came. He came so he could be wounded for you. He could be bruised for you. He would carry your ch the chastisement of your peace upon him. And he would take stripes that you and I could be healed. The message of Christmas is a God that so loved you, he came for you. And he says, my grace. And he says, my glory. That's the second point. My glory was for you. What do you mean? But the Bible said that when the word was manifest, 
the word was manifest and became flesh. And we beheld the glory of the Father, the only begotten, full of grace and truth. When Jesus stepped on the scene and manifest, the Bible said we beheld the glory of the Father. In other words, Christ gave skin to God. And what, what makes it glorious is this. He said, for you, a son, a child is born. And for you, a son is given. Notice a child and a son. Child of man, but son of God. Humanity, but deity. The God man. Colossians 2 and 9 says, in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ was all of God. God said all throughout the Old Testament, I seemed so far and I seemed so distant, but I came down at Christmas to come face to face with you through Jesus Christ. And the Bible said, what do you mean? He had to be human. Watch this. He had to be human enough to relate to us. But he had to be God enough so that he could redeem us. So God said, I put relationship and redemption in the same package. So a Christ can bridge the gap between heaven and hell, sin and purity. I can touch a ratchet man, but I can also touch a righteous God. And through me, they can come together and become one. That's the glorious manifestation of the God man coming down for you. He said, I laid off all glory, all deity, all of my divine privileges so that I can humble myself as a man and become obedient, divine demotion so that I could come down for you. And he said, when I come down for you, I want you to know my grace and I want you to know my glory and I want you to know my greatness because when I come through my greatness, You need to understand I'm a great, watch this, wonderful counselor. I'm a great, mighty God. I'm a great, everlasting father. And I'm a great prince of peace. When he says I'm a wonderful counselor, that word wonder, it means miraculous, supernatural. It means a God that transcends all natural laws. I come to do that for you. And I showed you, if need be, I can take humanity and use them to to defy the laws of gravity, just like I made Peter walk on water. Supernaturally, that's why the scripture said, watch this, that that he said, Isaiah 7, in in chapter 7, he said these words. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. And he was talking to Ahaz, Ahaz, who was dependent upon his own strength and ability, trying to overcome the enemy. But Isaiah said, "Uh -uh, I'm going to give you a sign. A virgin shall give birth to a child and his name shall be Emmanuel. Did you hear what I just said? This makes sense when he said a virgin shall give birth. Ahaz was like, if I was in the country, I'd go do what? Some of y'all, in other words, what did you just say? How can a virgin give birth? If a baby in there, you can't be no virgin. Something had to happen. But what he was saying is, I want you to believe me. 
to be somebody that, that, that operates on another level in your life. You've been dependent on, somebody needs to hear this, on your own strength and ability for so long. He said, but I'm going to give you a sign that there are times that you need a miracle work in God. You need a supernatural God that can transcend anything that you can think, dream, or imagine. When the doctor said there's nothing else that they can do, you need a supernatural God. When statistics tell you you can't be successful in life, you need a supernatural God. Come on. When you did everything that you know you do and things are still troubled in the marriage and the kids are acting crazy, you need someone that is beyond them, that's on a whole nother level, that is in complete and total control control and that's the God he desires to be in our lives so Javon what are you saying I'm saying when you talk about the message of Christmas I want to remind you as Paul said put thee into remembrance that you serve a God of great breakthrough that that, that will come in the most darkest times of your life and break through like never before to reveal to you and to remind you that I am a God of grace, I am a God of glory, and I am a God of greatness. And I came at Christmas time just for you, for your family, for your children, for this nation, for this world. My mission was for you. And he said, anyone that will, who would come after me and turn their hearts to me. They'll receive my grace. They'll understand my glory. That's why I came. And they'll begin to experience my greatness. Because in this life, you need a counselor, a wonderful counselor. In this life, you need an everlasting father, someone that will be there all the time. You need a mighty God, a warrior working on your behalf. And you need peace. The Bible says, because he is the Prince of Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.